If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. What's up, Irish fans and Tiny Mike Nation? This is Lister Ajavon coming to you live with another episode of Lich in the Field. Our first game is in a few weeks, so I have a question for my teammates. Can you sing the fight song? Here come the Irish... Dun, 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 dun. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's sports, yeah. Sports, yeah. It's sports, yeah. Welcome to episode 348 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the George Foster episode? I don't know who that is. George Foster, former star of the Cincinnati Reds and then the New York Mets. Um, one of the few players during the 1970s to hit 50 home runs in a season. He had 52 in 1977 for the Reds, drove in 149 runs that year. 76, 77, 78, George Foster led the National League in RBI. He was a key cog in those Cincinnati Reds teams of 75 and 76 that won world championships. And he hit 348 home runs in his big league career. Also, I got to admit, when I was a kid and I saw his baseball card, I didn't think George Foster was a very good-looking man. But we'll dedicate episode number 348 to him. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, the other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! My friend Tom found a box he did not know he had of sports cards. Baseball, football, basketball. And some of the ones in there, he he might be paying for a vacation real soon. Really? There were some uh, fascinating photos in there. I'll have, to, I'll have to show you that. 
We're going to hit the rewind button, go all the way back to Friday night. I'd love to hear how your uh, game broadcast went. I thought the broadcast went fine, and the game went fine if you're a fan of the Mishawaka Cavemen. As expected, the experience of Justin Fisher at quarterback, I think, played a huge role in that game against Mishawaka Marion. And the Cavemen prevail over their city rivals uh, by a final score of, I believe it was 43-16. to so Mishawaka and Keith Kinder's team get off to a great start. It was a 16-16 tie. Special teams had played a role in Marion scoring those 16 points. Mishawaka had had a bad punt that Marion took advantage of the short field, went down the field and scored. And then there was a, uh, a bad kick, another bad kick, I should say, that Mich- Marion took advantage of, took it down the field and scored. But after they tie the game at 16-16 with about four minutes left in the second quarter, Marion kicks off, and Mishawaka gets a kickoff return all the way back to the Marion 45. And from there, Mishawaka moved it down the field. They were never touched after that, and they wind up scoring the last 27 points of the game, winning 43-16. Credit to the Mishawaka defense, which really made some nice adjustments and kept Marion in check. Greg Atkinson, the Marion Star never really got untracked in this game. He only had a couple of touches. Meanwhile, Fisher ran for 23 times for 102 yards and three touchdowns. It won't be easy for the Cavemen this week. They have Elkhart coming over to Steel Stadium. The Lions picked up a 12-7 win over Concord on Friday night in a low-scoring game. Great job by Trayvon Curry's defense for Elkhart. In fact, he, the defensive coordinator for the Lions, received the game ball, finding a way to keep that Concord passing game in check. And the Lions are really banged up right now. They don't have Javen Sharp. They don't have Donovan Johnson. They got a lot of JV kids playing varsity, but somehow they found a way to beat Concord the other night. And I don't know who's got the tougher task. Mishawaka trying to play Elkhart or Elkhart trying to play Mishawaka that should be a good one Friday night Steel Stadium Concord will try to bounce back against Jimtown Jimtown lost a heartbreaker to Northwood the other night seven to six Jimtown's extra point attempt was blocked Northwood comes back in the second half Caden Lone throws a touchdown pass to Tenarian Tuggle and the Panthers go on to get a 7-6 win. Nice win for Nate Andrews' squad to get the 2021 season underway. Surprise of the night, and I don't know that it was a surprise because they've beaten Fairfield four out of the last five years, but Goshen handled Fairfield fairly well, 21-10. Red Hawks um, already have matched their win total of last season by going 1-0. And now they've got Clay coming over on Friday night. So Kyle Park's team might be able to get off to a good start and get some momentum going here in 2021. That was a nice win for Goshen. Also on Friday night, South Bend, Washington. Todd Stamich's team beats Hammond Central 27-20. Great win at Jackson Field for South Bend, Washington. And a great start for them to the season. They're a team... I think that could be dangerous in that NIC smaller school division if they can stay healthy and get a couple of breaks. Meanwhile, uh, some other teams that looked very impressive, Michigan City mauled South Bend Riley 62 to nothing. Warsaw beat Dublin Kaufman and Ohio Power came over to Northern Indiana, took on the Tigers, 
Warsaw ran for 520 yards. They had three different players run for over 150 yards, and they looked very impressive in that win. Who didn't look impressive was Penn. They lost to Valparaiso by a count of 35-7. to And in the last 26 games of high school football, the Kingsmen are 13-13. and And that is really kind of unacceptable for many of the Penn faithful. And they're a little bit bothered by the way their team is playing right now. We'll see if the Kingsmen can bounce back. Uh, St. Joe had a nice start to the season. They shut out Lakeland 27-0. Tippecanoe Valley picked up a win over Wawasee. So all in all, uh, uh, not all that surprising weekend of high school football. I, I don't think there was anybody whose win re- or loss uh, really shocked anybody. And I would caution people as they look at that Mishawaka-Marion game that we did, Corey, it's easy to say, oh, Marion lost by 27. They must be really down. No, I think Mishawaka is really good. And, <laughs> and I think that will show over the course of the season. How you are sitting next to me right now is almost mind-blowing with what kind of week you're preparing for today. Well, we got two games uh, this week. One's Thursday, one's Friday. I'll go up to Lakeshore today to watch Danny Thompson's team practice and try to get the lowdown on the Lancers. I talked to the Portage Central coach, Mick Enders, last Friday. Uh, they've got... Uh, some good talent on that team. Division one lineman who's committed to Purdue, another tight end who's going to Lehigh. So it'll be a challenge for the Lancers here in their season opener, even though they're, even though they're playing at home at Al Stockman Stadium. Uh, that should be a fun opener to broadcast on Thursday night. And then we've got the Cable Line Cup on Friday night, Concord and Jimtown. They will meet for the 61st time. That series is all knotted up at 30 apiece. Where's that game at? That'll be at Jake Field in Dunlap, the home of the Minutemen. Okay. All right. Saturday, uh, fortunately, I was moving my son in and did not have to stomach watching the Chicago Bears, who basically made the quarterback that they let go look somewhere between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky went 22 of 28 against the Bears defense and Buffalo steamrolled past Chicago I think the final was 41 to 13 neither Andy Dalton nor Justin Fields looked very good at quarterback for the Bears on Saturday Uh, the Bears offensive line could not keep much pressure off of them they couldn't run the ball The Bears' defense looked as though they had had no tackling practice whatsoever. All in all, it was a pretty shoddy performance by the Bears, who have one more preseason game to go to get ready for the season opener against the Rams on September 12th. The Colts, they didn't make your eyes bulge with what they did. They beat Minnesota by a count of 12-10, to four field goals for Eddie Pinheiro, the former Bear, in that game. Both Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason managed to move the football well enough to get a couple of field goals each. The Vikings still have not scored an offensive touchdown this year in the preseason, so there's some concern there. The thing I, if I were a Colts fan, what I would take pride in is the fact that the defense looks pretty decent, and there's some talent there. 
And the other thing that has Colts fans breathing a little bit easier today is the fact that they are getting three starters back at practice this week. Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly should all be back. And, of course, Wentz and Nelson are only three weeks removed from having foot surgery. So we'll see how much they're able to contribute, although Frank Reich seems pretty positive that both of those guys are going to be available when the Colts open up against the Seahawks on September 12th. I would be surprised if either one of them played in that final preseason game on Friday night. Okay. Also in the NFL, it's worth noting that the Tennessee Titans coach Mike Vrabel has tested positive for COVID. Uh, The interesting thing about this is Tennessee was scrimmaging with Tampa Bay last week. So now both the Buccaneer players and the Titans players have to be contact traced and tested for COVID. Although Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay coach, says his team is 92% vaccinated. So he feels pretty confident that even if they have some COVID problems, they should be short-lived and that everybody should be ready to go in time for the season opener. Okay. It's going to be fascinating to see how COVID... Uh, what happens in the NFL, what happens, you know, baseball seems to be moving right along. There doesn't seem to be too many stories coming out. of. There were some blips, but nothing too severe. Um, College football seems to have changed some things this year in terms of COVID. You may remember last year they were willing to shuffle schedules around and and move things. And even Notre Dame uh, moved a game with Wake Forest and, and did some things. This year, conferences are saying, look, if you have COVID and it's enough to keep your team from being able to play, you're just going to forfeit. Okay. So we'll see how that plays a role this year. But, you know, so many of the college institutions have mandated vaccines for their students that we'll see how many COVID outbreaks there actually are on campuses this year. Let's get into baseball, Chuck Freebie. Well, the 500 Home Run Club, when I was growing up, Corey, that was such an exclusive club. And I remember such a big deal being made out of Ernie Banks getting his 500th home run because it put him in some pretty rare company. And then we had the steroid era of baseball, and that 500 mark didn't hold as much water. But when you look at the numbers, even after the steroid era of baseball, Entering yesterday, there were only 27 players in the history of Major League Baseball, which includes probably about 20,000 players. Only 27 of them had hit 500 homers or more. That is until Miguel Cabrera stepped to the plate in Toronto. Tigers announcer Dan Dickerson had the call. Fly ball, right center, deep, got a chance, 500! So Cabrera belts his 500th. And the interesting thing about Miguel Cabrera, Corey, is that he has done this while maintaining a very good batting average. His career batting average is 311. These days in Major League Baseball, it seems to be home run or bust. You have more players who are like uh, Joey Gallo from the Yankees or Adam Dunn used to be with the Reds and the White Sox, where it's basically home run or strike out. Well, Cabrera is not that kind of player. He's the kind of player who can hit for average and for power. And he's only 45 hits away from having 3,000 hits for his career. 
probably would have been there already, but he's really had some injury-plagued seasons with the Tigers the last three or four years. But considered one of the good guys in baseball, came up to the big leagues as a 20-year-old cleanup hitter for the Marlins. And you may remember in that 2003 playoff series against the Cubs, the famous Bartman series, Mm -hmm. Miguel Cabrera did some real damage against the Cubs as a rookie. And so... Here we are, 18 seasons later, well-respected, beloved by his teammates. I think that showed yesterday with the Tigers' celebration of him as he crossed home plate. And congratulations to Miguel Cabrera, just the 28th player and I believe the first Venezuelan-born slugger to get past the 500 mark. I do know that he is the first player in a Tigers uniform to cross the 500 threshold. Nice. Real nice. White Sox. Didn't have a good weekend against Tampa Bay. You know, this is one of the things that we talked about maybe a couple of weeks ago on the show, Corey, is the fact that the White Sox have played a fairly soft schedule through no fault of their own, but the American League Central is not very good. They're the only team above 500 in that division. They play a lot of games against the National League Central, which also is not very good. So really, their only games that they have played against playoff teams are against the the other American League contenders. And in those games, they've scuffled a little bit. Now, they did have a good series with Oakland earlier in the week playing at home, but they went to Tampa Bay. They lost two out of three. Yesterday, they were non-competitive. They lost 9-0 in that game. And so it... It does raise the question for the White Sox, who are definitely going to go to the American League playoffs, how will they fare in the American League playoffs? The series with Tampa Bay was a big one from the standpoint of you needed to get some wins in order to make the race for home field advantage in the American League a little bit closer. Uh, Right now, Tampa Bay would have home field advantage in the American League. And the White Sox would be the number two seed in those playoffs, which means that if you had those two teams get through their series and get to the American League Championship Series, the White Sox would have to go to Tampa Bay to start things off. We'll see how much of a difference that makes. I I just do wonder about the consistency of the White Sox play as they head towards October. Okay. The Cubs have been very consistent in their play. Uh, they stink, and they sh- they're showing it in record-breaking ways. Yesterday, they lost their 13th consecutive home game. That has never happened in the history of the Cub franchise. They lost to a Kansas City team, which is in fourth place in the American League Central. They were swept. And they were non-competitive. They lost 9-1 yesterday. You were at Wrigley Field for the debacle on Saturday. What did you see? The big difference between Father's Day and my birthday was, even though they stunk on Father's Day, when Rizzo comes up, the crowd goes wild. Mm -hmm. When Bryant comes up, the crowd goes wild. When Schwindel comes up, lull. When the other guy comes up, lull. It just... There's no spark in that park. No. Uh, but two funny things that happened that day. I know you'd appreciate this, uh, me having a teenager. I did get a birthday card that morning that told me Happy Father's Day. 
which kind of works. I mean, he wrote it in there. It is my day. I'm his dad. Yeah. And as we're walking uh, down Sheridan, we're coming up on the Harry Carey statue, and my son says, now that's Huey Lewis, right? And that launched my boy Jay and I into a full afternoon of, hey, that's the, <laughs> that's the power of love working right there. <laughs> no, it's Harry Carey. Huey Lewis, Harry Carey. Oh, so all wow. day long, I want a new drug. <laughs> <laughs> Huey Lewis. Oh, my God. He's a teenager. What are you going to do? Hey, <laughs> it's wow. hip to be square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, but they, they stunk. They're bad. They're bad. They're really bad. And, you know, it, it'd be one thing if they were... Fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there have been some Cub teams that have lost that were at, at least fun to watch. Who's who's uh, who's in left field right now? Kind of got his hair in a ponytail. He was hustling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patrick Wisdom gets a little bit of applause these yeah. days. I can't think of the guy in left field, but it's like, all right, he, he can throw. Was it Ian Happ? No, it was not. Mm. I don't remember who it was. But anyways... Oh, it's this kid from he grew up in Illinois. Oh? Yeah. Okay. That that's that's his claim to fame is he's an Illinois product. <laughs> and he did have I think he had a home run in his first game as a cub. But, okay. You know, I, I'm I'm tired of them trying to push things. And the poor guy's doing the post game show yesterday. So for some reason we had it on the house yesterday and it was purely background. Yeah. And I remember glancing up and now they're talking on the post game show and they're talking about the one reliever that came in and didn't give up a run. Yeah, he had a really good day because that's what they're reduced to on this post game show on the Marquee Network owned by the Ricketts family. So you can't really you can't really call the club out because it's state TV and so the guys doing the show are, are looking for any port in a storm they can find. Yeah, this young reliever that didn't give up a run. Boy, he looks promising. <laughs> I know you're on the edge of your seat to know that it was Hermosillo. Yeah, Michael Hermosillo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chirinos? Yeah, he, Robinson Chirinos. He, He's the backup catcher to he, Wilson Contreras. He needs a new picture really bad. He needs a new. Well, I'd like to see a lot of new pictures. <laughs> On that team. (laughs) Mainly guys from other teams because the ones that the Cubs have right now, Mm -hmm. not good. And, by the way, uh, Nico Horner had a rehab assignment in South Bend yesterday. The only problem with that is on his second at-bat in the third inning, he re-injured himself and had to leave the game. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I have nothing to base this on. But I sit there and I wonder, do the guys on the rehab assignments, are they looking at the parent club and saying, boy, it's really bad up there. Maybe I'd just like to be heard a little bit longer. <laughs> yes. Oh, ouch. Yeah. That, My larynx. That, that smarted. Mm-hmm. I can't continue. Nope. I can't possibly continue. You want to uh, hit on NASCAR from yesterday's race? Well, we can. They raced up at Michigan International yesterday. Ryan Blaney takes the checkered flag narrowly over William Byron. 
Unfortunately, our two local drivers, South Bend's Ryan Newman and Winamax's Justin Haley, did not have the best of days, and they finish 24th and 25th as the NASCAR season trudges along. Also uh, worth noting, Pro Golf is in its playoff right now. They call it the FedEx Playoff. So it's very imperative that they finish this Northern Trust Classic in New Jersey. There's only one problem. There's a tropical storm in New Jersey right now, and Henri dumped about six inches of water on the course yesterday. So they're allegedly trying to resume this tournament at 11 o'clock this morning. The PGA had to kind of amend its bylaws. Typically, if a tournament isn't done by the close of business on Monday, they just take the standings from it. But it's the playoffs, so they're trying to make this meaningful and mean mm-hmm. something. So they said, well, if we have to play on Tuesday, we'll play. Which doesn't give the players a whole lot of time to get to the next tournament stop with the tournament beginning Thursday and moving on. So we'll see how that all unfolds. But uh, they were talking to John Rahm, uh, who won the PGA Championship, and they were asking him about the playoff format, and he basically said, it stinks. <laughs> because the way the PGA does it is, okay, you, you've played all season, and you have your standings, and then you, you get more points from these playoff tournaments. Mm-hmm. And it ends with the PGA Tour Championship, and only 30 players are allowed in for the PGA Tour Championship. And your benefit from leading the standings going into the PGA Tour Championship is two strokes. You get two strokes over the second-place guy. And it's like, so you could have won every tournament all season long. You could have won every tournament in the playoffs. And all you get going into the PGA Tour Championship is two strokes. (laughs) Yes, there's a stink problem. And John Rom says, what is this? Is that how he talks? Uh, I don't know. He's from Spain. I don't know what he sounds I thought like. it was a great reenactment in my head. What is this? All right. You want to segue into underrated, overrated. Have That's question number one. Well, we have a Twitter uh, question, or I've got some stuff I brought to the table. We can do both. All right. Everly Brothers, underrated or overrated? You and I were going through the discography on them today i've never heard them cited as a beatles influence but boy they sure sounded like the beatles before <laughs> the beatles didn't they yeah uh i will i'll go with underrated i'm gonna go I, underrated as well i i they certainly had a ton of hits mm-hmm. um they certainly had a a sound that seemed to be emulated by a lot of groups in the 60s and they had some st- – you say Everly Brothers today, and I think a lot of people who listen to this show know who they are, mm-hmm. even Vince. We, um, we were discussing Kathy's Clown, and I had to look up the date because when I heard it, I was like, man, this sounds like a Beatles song. Which came first? 1960 for Everly Brothers. But then I started doing a little quick Googling while we were in the studio, and heavy influences the Beatles say, yes, Everly Brothers. Beach Boys say, yes, heavily influenced. Well, there you and go. And a handful. Uh, monkeys. 
and um, there's a couple other ones, pretty big names, but we'll go underrated on that one. Uh, from Twitter, Lover Boy. Ooh, Lover Boy. Hmm. I'm going to go with my five-song formula, Working for the Weekend. Yeah. Loving every minute of it. That's the one that first popped in my mind. Turn Me Loose. Uh, the Kid is Hot Tonight. Mm. And uh, uh, they had a ballad. Not Almost Paradise. That's just the lead singer and somebody else. They had a ballad, Lover Boy. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm stuck on four songs. Yeah, I... Until somebody just mentioned them, yeah, they're not anybody that I think of. Yeah, even though you mentioned some good songs there, but I don't, I don't think they're an influencer. I don't think no. If if you heard Lover Boy was coming to your local county fair, would you run out to see them? Well, I had to because I worked for the station that brought him in. Okay. <laughs> but no, I would not. But if you had a choice in the no. matter. Actually, I wouldn't have gone back in their heyday. I, I was never really a fan. Yeah. Never really a fan. So I'm I'm going to go with overrated. I'm with you on that one. Also from Twitter, White Snake. Oh, well. White Snake. Now, are we talking about body the actual Are we talking about the actual <laughs> band? Well, when you say body of work, or are we talking about the videos? Body of work. Because here, here was my, as a uh, as a twenty something year old man watching White Snake videos back in their heyday. Mm-hmm. Here was my three word evaluation of said videos: too much band. <laughs> that big album in the eighty seven that kind of put them back on the map with "Here I Go Again." Still the night, man. If you like rock and roll, that's a good record right there. But other than that, I'm going to go overrated. Back then, you had a young and lithe Tawny Katane before she beat the ever-living out of her husband, Chuck Finley, mm-hmm. uh, slithering across the hood of a car in a White Snake video. A couple and, of times. Yeah. And, uh, well, that was the reason to watch the video. If slithering. You were. <laughs> slithering. But, well, because it's White Snake. Yes. Uh, but the band itself, no. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I will say you're overrated. I'm hogging overrated, underrated. Do you have one? I don't, so All right, go ahead. I'll give you the final one. We started a show last night on Hulu starring Nicole Kidman. Oh. Nicole Kidman. Underrated or overrated? Hmm. Okay, well, she had a period of time where she was a big star, but she was a big star in some movies that, quite frankly, I didn't watch. Okay. I think a lot of the attention that has gone to Nicole Kidman came from her marriage to Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was necessarily... I mean, I, I'm not saying she's a bad actress, but does Nicole Kidman still move the needle and is the body of work... I, I'm going to go down the middle on Nicole Kidman. I think she's got... A decent resume of movies. Agreed. But I'm not sure that I would call her a star. Do you go to see a movie because Nicole Kidman is in it? 
No, but I also don't cringe or go meh if she is. Right. Yeah, but right. do I? Yeah, but do I get in the car on a Friday night and pay my money? No. But but let me ask you this: Who is somebody where you say, "Oh, this person's in the movie. I'm not going to see it." All right, Days of Thunder. Far and away. The, I think that's the one that maybe she won an Oscar for. Malice with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, good movie. To Die For. The Peacemaker with George Clooney. Eyes Wide Shut. Moulin Rouge, which I enjoyed. Ooh, Bewitched. That was a train wreck with Will Ferrell. Yes. Oh, man, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Just Go With It. She was pretty funny. That's an Adam Sandler movie where they go to Hawaii and he's faking his... Uh, oh, yeah. The ex-wife with Jennifer Aniston. Paddington? No? No. Yes? <laughs> I, I am slightly gonna, overrated. I'm, I'm going to go to slightly overrated. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I was willing you. to give her the benefit of the doubt, but now that you've listed her filmography, nah. I think she won an Academy Award for a movie called Destroyer, I think. But anyways. All right. That's the entire list, my friend. Well, there you go. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss another engaging episode just like this one. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. Me too at My Name is Corey and the Sports Yak with two Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga George Foster. You slugger, you. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.